Well, let's see. This should be interesting. One guy's in Green Bay. One guy's in Madison. And one guy's missing. That's a formula for a heck of a show. Welcome in. It is the Joe and Ebo Show. This is Joe. I'm in Green Bay. Ebo's somewhere with his tool. And we have Nelson. Good morning, Nelly. Morning, Joe. Not, definitely <laughs> a weird uh, structure today. <laughs> I mean, it's not the most ideal structure, but hey, you and I, Nelson, what are we? We're professionals. We're going to get it done, right, buddy? Or at least do our best. How do you? Th- any was by the way, any word from uh, from our guy Ebo? He was uh, if he was at the uh, what the Tool concert last night and and took the day off. Uh, do we do we know any any proof of life or anything? Is uh, how's he doing? Uh, I believe I got one Snapchat being at the concert, and that's the last thing I've saw from him. So he was alive <laughs> as of I think I went to bed before he sent it. He's alive as of eleven o'clock last night. Well, that's good. Um, so I, I guess it's it's one of those, Nelson, did, did you ever play musical chairs as a kid? Oh, once in a while at school. So this is the version of radio musical chairs because uh, Ebo took the day off to go see Tool last night. And apparently he's going to, what, ZZ Top tonight. So he just had, like, back-to-back concerts. So he didn't want to deal with getting up in the morning, and I can't blame him. I am in Green Bay for the Wisconsin uh, Wrestling uh, Hall of Fame Banquet and Coaches Association, and it was one of those where we both couldn't be off at the same time, and who I asked off first, it was Ebo. So I said, you know what, I'm going to take the gear with, I'll, I'll draw a short straw. So here I am sitting, Nelson, in my hotel room on the balcony, overlooking beautiful Green Bay, Wisconsin, talking to you. Oh, and it is a good morning, isn't it, Joe? It's Friday. We're one day away from the weekend. We are. We do have a good show coming up today. Uh, action packed. Ac- well done, Nelson. I mean, you could say action zone. Uh, we have that at six fifty. We have the Amon Green show. I was talking to him last. I said, Amon, I'm in Green Bay. Where are you? Of course. Oh, that. Here's another layer of the uh, the, the functionality. I'm. In Green Bay, you're in Madison. Ebo's gone. Amon Green, who lives in Green Bay, is going to do a show today from Houston. <laughs> it just makes sense, Joe, if you don't think about it. <laughs> so we will get with the uh, Packers all-time leading rusher coming up. Uh, Amon will be with us uh, at 7:30. Get your questions ready. You can tweet us. And so in Madison, it's a D-bag Friday. It's uh, even though there is no Badger Saturday, we'll still visit with our guy RJ coming up. And uh, we will get you uh, set for Packers and Chargers. Uh, I I, I want to start Nelson with uh, with a little baseball. Uh, did I, did I see the the Yasmanian Devil is uh, is no more in uh, with the Milwaukee Brewers? Well, isn't he officially set to become a free agent after the season? I don't think that doesn't mean the he might potentially re-sign with the Brewers. Yeah, so the the story I saw that he uh, he declined. Uh, you're you're the you're, you're you help me here. You're you're the baseball guy. What he took he declined the uh, the two point five million that would have been like uh, an extension or a raise to basically say he's he's hitting free agency. So does that? I mean, you're right. I mean, obviously the Brewers 
just like any other team can sign him in free agency. Um, are you surprised that it got to that, or is that just more of a formality and that's where this thing was heading anyway? I think uh, that's probably where it was heading, and it looks like there's a few teams that are trying to pursue him with the Mets and the Reds for longer-term contracts. And we know as Brewer fans over the years, Brewers don't like to go out there and just throw around those big long-term contracts with lots of money. Agreed, and I... You know, last year at this time when Ebo were, well, I guess it wasn't at this time. It would have been more like January. And when the news came out that the Brewers were giving a catcher, what, 18 to $20 million, a lot of Brewer fans are like, dude, you can't go out there and get frontline pitchers or re-sign some of your previous stars. You're going to give a catcher $20 million. I mean, a lot of people were kind of on the fence, Nelson, or maybe even grumpy about this signing. Obviously, Grandal was an absolute beast uh, last year. So do you believe it? I mean, like, do you think the Brewers are going to get in on this or is, is what was this truly just a one and done with Yasmani Grandal? I bet the Brewers will attempt to uh, make him an offer, but if he's already turning down your extension, that was worth $16 million. How much more are the Brewers really going to give him? Yeah. And it's, and like we said, he's in his thirties. I doubt the Brewers want to give him a long-term contract. I think it was a nice so the- thought. Yeah, and, and uh, you're, I think you're probably right. So then the follow-up then, Nelly, is – and by the way, you want to weigh in 608-321-1670. So then the follow-up in Nelson is how bad – because, I mean, he was as – you know, after Yelich, was he the second-best offense – I mean, was he the second-best one-through-eight player on the Brewers last year after Yelich? Yeah, I'd have to say Yasmani Grandal was the second-best player behind Christian Yelich for the Brewers last year, followed by uh, Mike Moustakis. So you'd have to go with – with Moose or with uh, Yasmani, wouldn't you? I that's what I was gonna say. So how bad? I mean, look, and the Brewers have they they did. By the way, I don't know if you knew this, Nelson. The Brewers were four outs away from beating the Nationals. Did you know that the Nationals who just won the World Series? Oh, what could have been, Joe? What could have been? <laughs> so obviously, the Brewers have some issues. I mean, a lot of people are gonna look at the pitching staff and. Uh, well, I do say that I'm not I, – I, I don't know if you do this, Nelson. I may, I may be willing to admit that the Brewers may not have had enough pitching, even if they had beat the Nationals to you know win in a best-of-five or a best-of-seven in the divisional route of the NLCS. But that being said, it, it, you just said, I mean, Grandal, to me, and you're right, was after Yelich was certainly the best one-through-eight position player. Now, the Brewers obviously – Based on what I just said, what we just said about the pitching, I still think they have to go out and get some pitchers in the offseason. But if you throw this on them, I mean, like, how much more difficult does this make the Brewers offseason? Because they already probably needed help in in the pitching department. Now, if you say you have to replace an all-star catcher as well, like, how, how, how much more difficult does it make the job of Stearns in the front office this offseason? Well, they did pick up uh, Manny Pena's option, so the Brewers do have a catcher on the roster but i mean yeah i mean you have an extra 16 million you can go out and spend now but where are you going to use that you have manny pina are you going to go to the minor leagues bring up a catcher like what's their options i i really don't know what they're going to do it is uh yeah i mean look it's part of the deal but you know you uh you know when you have one, now two, now maybe three big decisions for the Brewers to make, it uh, it, it certainly makes the uh, 
the offseason more difficult. All right, 608-321-1670. We will get to uh, the Packers. And, uh, Nelson, I, gotta, you know, I, I, I need your help with this one because I don't know if you know this. When you get a bunch of, like, wrestling guys together, Ebo wouldn't understand because he always busts on you on this. But when you get a bunch of wrestling guys together, which is where I'm at, I'm at a, at a Hall of Fame banquet and, and convention all this weekend, they, they tend to talk a lot and, and talk stories and talk shop. So I may have been talking later into the evening than I wanted and maybe I've had a few more cocktails than I wanted. And I had a real interesting debate because a lot of the wrestling coaches that I'm up here with are also not a surprise, but it's also always good to hear it. A lot of the wrestling coaches and officials and, you know, Hall of Fameys that are up here are also all big fans of the Joe and Ebo show. And uh, it, it brought up an interesting discussion about my alarm uh, going off when it did today. So I'm going to need your help and the listeners help on that one as well. I was just thankful that your alarm went off this morning because it was uh, <laughs> about six o'clock and there was no uh, sleepy were you, time. I, well, oh, you gonna, were you going to call me? Were you going to check in? I mean, like, what, what are you just going to do the show by yourself? Like, well, what, 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 well what? good thing you say that. We also do have Nathan here today. Nathan, say what's oh, up. Nate's here early? I'm on time. What are you talking about? Oh, see, I didn't know that. Good morning, yep. Nathan. We're here. There's two of us in Madison. <laughs> wow. See, so here's the thing. I am leaving after the 8 o'clock hour, so Nelson and Nathan were going to do the final hour of the show. I did not know that we got Nelson. I mean, was this is this like my Friday morning gift? I didn't know that I was getting Nathan for all four hours today. Surprise. Yeah, Nathan will be here for the long haul. Nelson, Nathan, wow! Once in a while on a Friday, and square. Well, that uh, that I I mean I like Nathan. Mind blown. Thank you, buddy. I'm 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 impressed. I'm I'm glad you're awake. I'm impressed. That's what you impressed me with. No, so here's the thing. So yes, and I I was cutting it maybe a little close, Nelson. When you know when normally you have to get up and brush your teeth and put on deodorant and get out of your tidy whities and drive to the station. You maybe have to set the alarm earlier than most uh, other days. When the show is on a counter on a little patio inside like a hotel that I'm sleeping at and you have to literally get up and walk and sit down, you may take a few more liberties with the alarm and the snooze. So I will I will give you that, Nelson. I'm just glad to see you made it by six. <laughs> I mean, what are we at the street? I mean, we are we we're definitely past the uh, the the Quacker Tracker or no? What were the Mallard home runs called this year? Oh, backyard bombs was it? Backyard. We're de- yeah, we're definitely past the backyard bomb streak. Uh, I don't think I am yet at Brett Favre. Um, but obviously, yes, if you follow the show with any regularity, you know that there has been in the past maybe some question on my getting in on time. But that is that that has been Nelson. What we we are e- easily into the I mean, we got to be into triple digits, right? I mean, it's it's a hundred plus straight days of being on time. I think we'd have to go back and look at the Joe Miller late tracker. I'd I'd have to double check. You might be close to triple digits. Uh, all right, 608-321-1670. So tell me about this uh, Grandal situation, Nelson. I mean, like, are you are you going to be bummed if he doesn't re-sign with the Brewers, and how bad does it hurt the team? 
Well, it obviously hurts the team, but I just don't know how much the Brewers are going to be able to offer him. Like, what would you be willing to give Yasmani Grandal per year? That's a good question, but my comeback to that is, didn't a lot of people, when they when this deal first happened, and I remember doing this on the air and listening to Brewer fans and people saying, did I just see that right? Did the Brewers just give a catcher $18 million? So haven't they kind of already set the bar for pay? I mean, how much more do they have to pay him than last year, or is the comeback they don't want what they paid him last year a second time? I think they would be willing to. They just don't want to give him that long-term contract. That's what it feels like to me. And it, and it looks like other teams are willing to give him close to that number but for longer years which you can't you can't knock a guy for wanting roughly the same amount of money but over four years instead of just on those one-year deals so did did you nelson uh, i mean did you always think it was that grandal was going to be a one and done when they got him or did you ever you know think that he could be here years plural i actually thought he was going to pick up that option just because it was for 16 million he was already going to be a, a top five paid catcher. I figured he'd pick it up, but I guess after the season he had, it was one of the best he's ever had. Might as well test the market. So, do you still think Stearns is the smartest guy in the room until he's not on this? Like, what what do you, what do you think? Or because uh, I mean, look, the Brewers, in all seriousness, have a big offseason, right? I mean, the pitching situation has some some questions, and you throw in Grandal. Obviously, you know, you get to the you know we're. I'm going to be devastated. Some people maybe are going to be happy that you're coming to the end of Ryan Braun's big contract. Uh, I mean, this is a huge, is this like Stern's biggest off season since, you know, his, maybe his first one, as far as like rebuilding the team that now they are a winning team. They've been to the playoffs a couple years in a row and they have these problems. I mean, or, or questions. I mean, is this Stern's biggest off season? I th- it's going to have to, you're going to have to replace Yasmani Grandal. Most likely you'll have to replace Mike Moustakis. We all know they need pitching. The bullpen, you might have to add an arm or two. There's a lot of question marks right now on this Brewers roster. Is Travis Shaw going to be a thing at third base? Is he going to play like Travis Shaw from his three years prior? Is he going to play like Travis Shaw last year? Because if Travis Shaw can come back and be Travis Shaw from two, three, four years ago, then you don't have a hole at third base. But if he's going to play like Travis Shaw did this year, he's going to find his way onto my softball team. We've got the D-Bag of the Week vote going on, a heads-up battle, a co-nomination for probably the worst attempt at a fight in all time uh, with Joel Embiid and Carl Anthony Towns versus Baker Mayfield in his press conference meltdown uh, earlier in the week. Uh, right now, Mayf- it's close, 56-44, but uh, Mayfield has a slight lead. So, uh, Nelson, okay, so the Packers don't get a wide receiver at the trade deadline. We were talking about the Josh Gordon thing. I... I don't think it'll happen, but I wouldn't say it's zero percent. I would, I would maybe keep an eye on that one. But you get to Sunday and this weird point spread we've been talking about all week, and kind of like the more it's one of those things where the more you think about something, like the more concerned you get. Like I am a your first instinct is always right guy. That I think we as a society. We are so second guessing and we're so insecure and you you make a decision and then you overanalyze it. You'd analyze it to death and what you thought of first was right. And I feel like I don't want to be that person 
when it comes to this game because when I saw the line on Monday morning, I'm like, oh, dude, I need to bet this now because this is going to skyrocket, and by Sunday it's going to be minus six. And it hasn't moved at all. And now, like, the closer we get to Sunday, I'm like, I again, I don't want to be that guy that talks myself out of this bet, but you did bring up some good points. I listened to the Thursday night game uh, on the stream when I was driving up here to Green Bay last night, and at the halftime show on NFL Network, they brought up some compelling points about why the Chargers maybe win this game. Like, is this just one of these things where the longer you think about it, you can you can punch holes in anything, or should we be seriously concerned as Packer fans that they should be on upset alert on Sunday? Well, I mean, kind of going to your point, the first thing I thought when I saw the line was, why is this so close? What is going on that I don't know? And since the week has progressed, I feel like I've questioned it more and more, even leaning now to going with the Chargers, as we talked about on the Action Zone at 650. Yeah, and look, you know, the, the, these wise, it's it's crazy, man. And look, I've been to Vegas many times. We have our handicappers on uh, on, on a daily, weekly basis. And these guys are, they're, I mean, they're, they're scientists. They're, they're, they're wizards. And I, there's got to be some, one of these dudes or some whoever sets the line said, it's, you know, the Chargers, are figuring it out or the Packers, this win streak is fool's gold. Like, cause it, on the surface, you're right, Nelson. It just, when you, it doesn't make sense when you see a seven and one team playing a three and five team and you would say, well, maybe it's cause of the road factor, but we've talked about this all week and it's been well documented that at least 70%. And I think that's going to be low. I think it's going to be more like 80 to 90 percent of the people in that building on Sunday are going to be Packer fans because it's a freaking soccer stadium and the LA Chargers don't even have a home field advantage so which makes this even more weird why is you know this is basically a de facto home game for the Packers on Sunday and it really is from pretty much every source I've even heard of speak about the attendance this is at the minimum going to be 70 30 Green Bay and it sounds like the Charger players themselves are getting used to to basically playing on the road every single weekend. Like they've talked about some of the Chargers players right. were talking about how we have now gotten used to being quote unquote home, but it's really an away game because there's more visitor fans there than our own Charger fans. Another reason why they never should have moved from San Diego. Well, that, yeah, I mean, you're a hundred percent, you know, a hundred percent right on that. So, LA's uh, team again, and- is USC. Uh, you want to weigh in, Packer fans, 608-321-1670. I mean, like I have, and, and maybe I'm, like I said, maybe I'm spending Nelly too much time on this. And again, the most obvious answer is the one staring you in the face. Or is this one of those where the longer you think about it, the more doubt that creeps in. And there's got to be a reason. And whether it's that they, like the Bears gave that game away. Um, that being said, it is still the NFL. It is still a road game. The Chargers at least put themselves in a position for Matt Nagy to give them the game. And, you know, maybe the thinking is they found a way to win that game in Chicago. You've got a couple weeks back now of Melvin Gordon. Um, you know, you get Hunter Henry's a pretty good tight end. He was hurt to start the season. You get him back. And maybe San Diego slash L.A. slash whatever you want to call him is now closer to the team that was 12-4 and four last year than it was to the team that started the season two and five. Well, just to play devil's advocate here for the Packers, like you just mentioned, they had a ton of injuries, the Chargers did, especially on their offensive line and on the defense. 
and then the the Packers. They do you really think they should they would be seven and one if they replayed those eight games again? I feel like they could be closer mm. to like oof, four and four, five and three. Like they've had really good fortune so far this season, which we all should be thankful for. We're not going to apologize for it. We're seven and right. one. Packers are are rolling, but man, they could have lost a lot more games than they have. So I f- I feel like the Packers have been very fortunate, and L.A. has had some pretty bad luck. Well, and I will say this, 608-321-1670, Packer fans, you went away on this game on Sunday. I will say this. I mean, look, this would have been a game when the schedule came out that most Packer fans would have put L by it, and nobody would have felt bad about it, right? Whether you thought LaFleur was going to turn this season around and you thought Rodgers was going to bounce back and be an MVP candidate like he is or not, I don't think any Packer fan at the beginning of the season would have felt bad about a loss here. Now, again, things change in real time. The Packers are clearly much better than we all gave them credit for, so you don't want to go in expecting and hoping to lose. But at the end of the day, it, it, the, the silver lining or the justification for Green Bay only being a three-point favorite is, yeah, but did you really think they were going to win this game when the season started anyway? And you know I hate doing that. I all, I'm always about the team and the matchup in the moment. So I would I would still expect Green Bay to win this game. Now, do I think it's going to be a walk in the park? Green Bay is just going to go out there and dominate and win by three touchdowns? Absolutely not. I, I think this is going to be a tough-fought game, and it's going to come down to a field goal. So, Nelson, did you have a chance? I know you're, you know, the, the one good thing when Evo's not here, if there is a good thing, he's not at the level of a gambler that you and I are. Um, you and I, I think it's a big part of, uh, you know, our, our daily routine. And yesterday we were talking about the trick-or-treat themed. Uh, is it a trick-or-a-treat that Green Bay is only a three-point favorite? Have you had a day to process this Packer line and your 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 thoughts on why the Packers are only a three-point favorite? I think it just has to come down to the Chargers are getting healthier and the fact that the uh, Packers' run defense has been so bad this year. That's all I can think of. I actually did go back yesterday after work and kind of dig into the game, and I, that was like the really only two factors I could really find. So when I was driving up here last night, uh, you know, I had about a three-hour drive, and then, you know, there was some freaking accident in Rosendale, so I had to turn around and go back since it's only a two-lane uh, highway through Rosendale. Don't, by the way, don't speed through there. Um, so I had about an extra half hour, and I was listening to some whatever radio stations I could pick up around the state, and then you know nationally that you know you get a signal at night, and some people were saying that it, it made sense, right? That you know the Chargers, uh, you know, desperate and coming off, even though the Bears gave them the game, at the end of the day, it is still a win for the Chargers and that, you know, they will come in at three and five and coming off a win and, you know, you look at are the char or are the uh, Chiefs maybe vulnerable with, with Mahomes and that maybe Nelson that, you know, this division is somewhat still in play and if the Chargers win this game and get to uh four and five and if somehow the Vikings can beat the Chiefs on Sunday, which by the way the Vikings are favored, that you know the Chargers would only be a game out of the division, and that a team that went twelve and four last year in in the Chargers is not out of this playoff race yet. Do you buy any of that? Yeah, I totally buy that. I mean, when you're a team like the Chargers, that we'd say they've had what relative success the past few years, and basically over uh, Rivers' career, they've been decently good, but never could ever get over that hump and make a Super Bowl. 
he's coming to the end of his career. A win like that, after struggling for basically the whole season, it should give him some hope, especially with the fact that uh, Mahomes has been out, and I think they're really underselling this dislocated kneecap because there's no way he's coming back in a week or two. I feel like he has to be out longer than that unless he's like superhuman or it's really like the most bizarre dislocated knee that really didn't affect someone. Yeah, it's a fair point. 608-321-1670. And yeah, I mean, if to Nelly's point, if Mahomes doesn't play this week and doesn't play for one or two more games and suddenly you know if, if the if the Chiefs get to five and five or six and five that you know that that LA would suddenly see a path to winning this division and maybe that's why this this game should be more nervous to us as Packer fans than uh, than we would think let's talk some Badger football a team that also needs to turn a page and start they to sure figure do. it out now you can compare this team to the 99 team you lost an inexplicable one. You lost to uh, a Big Ten blue blood. Now you have those two losses that you can rebound from uh, with a schedule that is now favorable. Uh, yeah, I mean, you still have Iowa coming up, not this weekend, next weekend. You got two weeks to prepare for them. Uh, hey, here's an idea. Let's try getting to the outside and passing the ball. You have four receivers who everybody says are probably the best in the Big Ten, uh, it, are, are up there at least, as as a core unit. Um, and as of late, your guards and center aren't getting any push. Let's try something new. Yeah, so do you think, given that they have the bye week, that they're going to come out with some new looks, some new play calls, kind of a new feel to this offense? I mean, if no. there was one <laughs> so, game that they have to look better, it you'd think it'd have to be Iowa. Yeah. Um, you're playing for the, hey, let's try to make this into more of a rivalry than it is, uh, Bull Trophy, Heartland Trophy. Um, that's more of a administration trophy than it is a player trophy. Like, I don't, I don't know if it's changed because it became a thing while I was with the program. Everybody just looked at it and was like, why and then uh, yeah so who knows now but uh would you say I, there's more of a rivalry between hawkeye fans and badger fans or the players on the field the fans that's it's all, that's it's all about the, the feel fans. i get yeah i mean i haven't met an iowa fan i like i <laughs> honest to god like there is not a redeeming quality about any iowa hawkeye fan at least in terms of the people who you run into on a game day. And I, I, I'll second that. I've only had, for the best way to say it, rude experiences yeah. with people from Iowa. I've been called names. I've been sworn at when I was 13 years old. Um, I have, I, I wouldn't say physically assaulted, but I've been grabbed and shook by a man at, uh, uh, Knick Stadium. Um, was this that same 13-year-old? Yes. Yeah. That's um, probably borderline. <laughs> right? <laughs> and, yeah, I so from a very early age, just never have had a good experience with Iowa in general. Um, I guess it being, uh, knowing Hawkeye, I guess, I mean, there's, there's one person I've had 
uh, a Hawkeye fan I've had a decent relationship with. <laughs> One. <laughs> but yeah, um, but yeah, this this bye week, you need to change something up. Um, whether it be getting rid and scrapping the the pistol and the shotgun. Okay. What or, do you think the biggest thing the Badgers offense needs to change is? Go downfield. I mean, you have the receivers. I mean, everybody who wants to say Jack Cohn can't make the deep throw. We've seen it. We have seen him make the deep throw. I mean, we've seen him overthrow receivers. Don't tell me he can't do it. For some reason, right now, this offensive coaching staff does not have the confidence in Cone, or else they'd be passing more. See, that's the weirdest thing to me, because I'd agree with you. They need to let Jack Cone throw the ball downfield. That was like Alex Hornibrook the past two, three years. They needed to let Alex Hornibrook throw the ball downfield because that was how they were going to win some of those right, games. But they, those downfield passes were only 15 yards. And that's that's what <laughs> I don't get. And he couldn't get it that far. Well, Hornibrook's a little yeah. different story. But, but, but now Cole yeah. can do it. He can. You're absolutely right. And the people who are like, well, then it's time for Graham Mertz. He didn't win the job out of camp. How much confidence are they going to have a guy in who didn't win the job out of camp? And I'm not saying he can't do it, but right now they don't have confidence in a guy who is in his second year in the system. We have seen him able to throw the ball downfield, but yet they're not allowing him to do that. They're making him a game manager when I think he can be a little more than that. Because uh, what was, I mean, he against Illinois, had they decided to let him have the ball? I mean, they probably would have won. And that first touchdown uh, they had, that first series, where he was passing the ball down the field and they were getting that because they were stacking eight guys in the box and they weren't willing to change that, he absolutely could have gone for 500 and probably three or four touchdowns on the day. And yet they didn't allow that to happen. And we keep talking about how they need to let Jack Cohn throw the ball downfield. But even in that first drive against Illinois, they were only throwing it 10 yards, 15 yards, but it beats those five-yard passes right. where everyone that's in the box is still within five yards. Mm-hmm. It it I, makes it impossible. Right, and for some odd reason, after the touchdown, they bottled it back up uh, against Ohio State and said, well, we got that, so now we're just playing not to get blown out. And that was what it seemed like. And when that happened, then we saw in the second half, I think Ohio State had the ball for almost 20 minutes of the second half. If I'm remembering correctly, dominated the second half. But that's because the defense was on the field for so much time, and I think had it still been an even playing field, I think Wisconsin still would have been able to keep that game more respectable had the defense spent a little more time on the bench getting the rest they needed. I feel like some of the coaching staff and Badger fans just in general have forgot what Jack Cohn did down the field against teams like South Florida. Now I know. They're not obviously the same level quality as the Ohio States, but still you have to try it. Right. Because if you don't try it, you become so one-dimensional, it's easy to stop, no matter how good your running back is. And we saw it against Michigan. We saw it against Michigan State. They they challenged them deep. Um, and you can't tell me there was no way you were going to do that against Ohio State. Yes, they have better athletes, but, I mean, in the past, Wisconsin has schemed against better teams and you know what sometimes that works i mean you can't tell me georgia southern or uh 
was it Georgia State who beat Tennessee this year? Georgia State. Do they have better athletes than Tennessee? No. And granted, it's a totally different style offense, but it's not like they changed anything. Their defense, I mean, they shouldn't have been able to hold Tennessee to, you know, uh, as few yards as they did, but they did, and it, it it was schemed. Wisconsin, in the past, has been able to scheme to stay in games, to beat teams with better personnel than them, and last week, we saw the offense not make any changes. No halftime adjustments, no nothing. You you took a chance down the field and you ran a couple jet sweeps. Guess what happened with those? You got to the outside and you gained yards. Then you went right back between the tackles because you wanted to avoid Chase Young and you got bottled up. You you put out the hippo package. You gained three yards on a fourth and one. Then you never used it again. What the heck are you thinking? Like, stuff that was working, you used once. I mean, it... It just makes zero sense as to how that game happened. But, um, like, I wasn't expecting Wisconsin to win, but it should have been a more competitive game than it was. Yeah, the Chase Young, that whole thing, just it's so confusing how you know the guy is one of the best players in the country. You know he's probably the best, what, defensive lineman, outside linebacker, whatever you want yep. to qualify him as. Edge rusher, you can just call him. <laughs> and, and you never, and we had Bernie on earlier in the week, and he's like, Dude, when we were practicing for guys that were just as good as him, we would chip them every single play. Every we play. would hit them. They didn't do any of that. If no. anything, they were letting them go one on one with a receiving tight end. Right. That you know, does, it just and doesn't. even even on plays he was getting chipped in double team. He was he or he was getting to the quarterback. And yet we well, had four on, sacks. Yeah, on a third down and seven or whatever it was, you had your blocker be your receiving tight end and. Uh, he he whiffed on the block. That wasn't even a chip. That was like a, oops. Uh, well, good luck back there, Jack. And, I mean, like, the yeah. I mean, as sad as it is to say, that team got outcoached. And I think that's the most frustrating part about being a Wisconsin fan is that every time we have a season like this where we have a solid team with like, hey, this might be the year. We always have at least one of those duds. I'd like to see Wisconsin come out with Jonathan Taylor in the backfield and four wide receivers out there. Did I do my math right? Five, six, yeah. <laughs> that I can, mean, that you, can you put those four, the fatal four out there. Tell me a team outside of, you know, Alabama or Ohio State who have their whole defensive backfield is probably going to go pro. What team could line up against that and not you you can't put eight guys in the box then. You can't have a normal defense out there. I mean, this that type of offense, even though it's not normal Wisconsin, that offense I think could probably put up a lot of points. See, I, I'm not a fan of completely scrapping their offense because they've done so many nice things. Right. But I do have a question for you. We hear about the fatal four. These are the best receivers we've ever had at the in Madison. How many four receiver sets with those four guys have you seen ever? Not this year, not last year, not the year before. Well, last year we didn't have the fatal well, four. <laughs> um, a handful? I, I, yeah, no, I'm trying to think of it, and you know, nothing pops into my mind. I feel like I'm, they did it once against I, yeah, South Florida. I want to say it happened, but I, I mean, you can't just recall it. And if it's a package, 
use it more often. If it's not, put it in the playbook. I mean, it's like when uh, when Green Bay had the ability to do uh, the five the five wide empty black uh, empty uh, backfield. I mean, nobody in the NFL could cover that. Well, what are what is the big thing in today's NFL? It's get your playmakers the ball in space. Mm-hmm. Get your best players on the field. If it's four receivers, it's four receivers and Jonathan Taylor. Right. And you know what? You don't have to completely scrap your offense because, I mean, you got a guy in the slot. You can use him as your H-back, whatnot. Yeah, sure, he'll be undersized. But, I mean, that creates a mismatch in the middle of the field if that guy can get open. Uh, yeah, it. I mean, there's just so much that you look back at and when you're af- after – these two frustrating losses, which one was expected, one you're just still inexplicably thinking about. Um, you wonder why you haven't seen changes. And I don't know if it's maybe there aren't any to make, and then that's a problem, or they just don't want to. Even if the Padgers would have taken care of Illinois, I feel like our conversation the last week would be so different even with the loss to Ohio State. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because there was things that you could take away from the Ohio State game. Oh, you changed this. We're, we've been in the game for a half. Change this little thing. It doesn't get to a 38-7 to game. Mm-hmm. But the Illinois is just such a sour yeah. feeling. It's like, really? Yeah. I mean, basically, we're now looking at the same offense that was stifled versus Illinois got stifled versus Ohio State. How are you thinking that an offense that Illinois can stop Ohio State wouldn't be able to. <laughs> Rattled. It happens. Horny brooking. Not good. Dropping the ball, throwing picks. Turning it over. I did see him uh, complete a trick play uh, last week, though. Or was that two weeks ago? Yeah. How crazy is the flea fact flicker. that Florida State's winning with Hornybrook, but they couldn't win with their starter? <sighs> Maybe they were just running the wrong type of offense. <laughs> Maybe. I <laughs> mean, they've resorted to gimmicks at Florida State. To, to gain yards and stuff. And uh, the ACC, horrible at football this year. Horrible. Uh, let's go back to the phone, 608-321-1670. Dave from Monona, welcome to the Joe Nebo Show. Larry, Curly, and Mo. That, that's- <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know why Hornybrook's doing well? Well, he ran, a, he ran a girlfriend from the offensive line in Florida State. Oh, there you go. All you can do is play football. Huh? <laughs> I don't care about Badger football. I've not a big, been a big Paul Crisp or Badger football fan because, you know, that's just – I suck basketball and hockey. Here's where I'm frustrated, and you got the inside track. You know, Tony Granato, he brings in this all-world staff, and I love Mark Strohs. He brings in all-world staff. They have top recruiting classes three, four years in a row, but the team stinks. And I told Mark this. The mental toughness, the you know, they're soft. The goaltending's horrible. If you can bring in number one draft choices, this team was sad as they're going nowhere again. Last night, they get pushed around, and I'm tired of hearing, well, fourth-year seniors versus freshmen. No, you got top draft choices, but the same problems over and over again. And it's only, in, you know, and I know Coach Stroh is getting frustrated, but, you know, they're soft, and you want to talk about recruiting, maybe it's time, Tony, bye-bye. You know, I, I told Stroh, I'm tired of top recruiting classes. If you ain't going to win, get the hell out of here. But here's my question for you about Badger basketball. How is it these quarterbacks can transfer at the end of the, you know, in May and play the following season, but this guy from Ohio State transferred in? What the hell's going on there? This guy sat out a year, 
and he's still not allowed to play? I mean, yeah, it's it's weird how the NCAA goes about it. Each case is its own individual case. I mean, that's obvious there, but each case has its own board that looks over it. So it's not even the same people looking over the cases individually. So there's part of your problem. I mean, that in itself creates a bias somewhere, I th- I would think. Um, and not necessarily, you know, one way or another, but one board who looks over, one, one group of people who looks over one case could end up being, you know, really mad that day and decide, no, that's not happening. And then you see all these other ones, uh, which, I mean, one month ago, there were still 70 transfer requests that hadn't been looked over, and that was a month before the season was starting. The NCAA, what the heck? Like, how do you not know this? I mean, outside of being probably the worst nonprofit organization in the world, and you know what? There's so many that have been hit with corruption and bribery and that have been taken down and all that kind of stuff, and yet you still are screwing up in almost every aspect that you run something. It's crazy. Like... All you got to do is look at it with common sense, and you can see a guy who hasn't played for a calendar year needs to sit? Like, that's just ludicrous. And you have these guys who, oh, yeah, he played uh, 34 games, played in the Sweet 16, averaged 10 points a game. Oh, well, he wants to transfer because he was coming off the bench? Nah, yeah, he can play. Uh, It's ridiculous, and I don't understand how the NCAA can go about it that way. Um, in terms of the hockey program, yeah, last night... Um, it, I did it was, tune in for that it game. It was pretty evenly matched in terms of statistics. Um, but Daniel Lebedev, I mean, he wasn't covering pucks up. They were bouncing off of him, and there were at least three goals that uh, resulted in you know bouncing off the pads and finding an open skater. Uh, a couple of them, there were, were some defenders on the power play uh, who didn't want to take uh, a block. And yeah, that, that becomes toughness. That, I mean, that's hard to teach. You had Cole Caulfield who... He looked good. That he, one he, shot yeah. was... I mean, he was snaking through the entire Nittany Lion team by himself and people were were clearing space for him, but, I mean, he can't do it by himself. So, yeah, you have this top talent, and last night was frustrating because the back end just failed you, and you lost 6-1. to one. And But this is a team, for some reason or another, can bounce maybe bounce back tonight and end up winning 6-1 to one themselves. So it's, it's frustrating to watch that the, a team, and who knows, maybe Minnesota Duluth just isn't that good this year. Um, but you had a four nothing loss uh, to Clarkson, followed by a uh, a win for you um, with six seconds left on the clock. So, I mean, there's hope, but yeah, this team isn't quite there yet. And I mean, yeah, I'm riding high after that sweep of Minnesota Duluth, and you were like, yeah, they absolutely belong in the top ten. And then last night just made it look like it was still a team from the past couple of years. They were just making stupid mistakes um and it just didn't look right and that was the first time i can say that this season even after uh losing to uh boston college earlier in the year yeah i was texting with you and another person last night and both of you guys that i was texting were both talking about how i wouldn't be surprised for wisconsin to bounce back 
tonight against Penn State after what was it they uh had all those games and then the travel out east yeah to play it, Penn State? it's a short week um you know it, it is weird hockey's one of those sports when you get out of your normal routine uh you know inexplicable things happen uh you know uh last year when Wisconsin went on their little run before the break uh and then all of a sudden things went on break and your schedule isn't the same as it was while school was in and then they started uh losing games so i mean uh some of it's all mental with with hockey and um it it just didn't look right last night so hopefully uh a, a day with a game and rest will be able to get this team uh hopefully in in tune for the game tonight <laughs>